22 years. Can you remember back 22 years? Were any of you 22 years today? This year? I had to go back and look. The Colorado uh, Avalanche, the Baltimore Ravens, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and uh, the LA Lakers were the uh, champions of their respective leagues. Microsoft introduced Windows XP and the Xbox. Apple introduced the iPod and iTunes. still an XP. <laughs> and God blessed us here at Majestic greatly with both Scott and Alicia coming here to ministry. Thank you. Would all the deacons and elders that are here join us up on stage? outside it's snowing more just in case you want to know that okay <laughs> like yeah, it's coming sideways now but all right so we're going to start a new series called thanks and giving equals thanks living i think we can kind of understand where we're going with that but i want to first of all let's start off with the thank you and uh, just to give you a little item for your attention um 
last Sunday, we talked about the beauty of partnership. If you remember that, we talked about our Royal George Baptist Association. We talked about our Colorado Baptist Association. We talked about our North American Mission Board, our International Mission Board, and then all the partnerships we have all over the world. Do you remember that? Okay. It was really fun. I really enjoyed that. I had a lot of good comments back. didn't realize we were so partnered up uh, all over the world. I mean, in our community and all over the world. So um, this is what I read in, in the Daily Bread. Many of you use it. See if I can find it here. Thursday. This is Thursday. In the aftermath of Marshall Fire, the Marshall Fire, the most destructive fire in Colorado history, you'll remember, Boulder, Louisville area, one ministry offered to help families search through the ashes for valuable items. Family members mentioned precious objects they hoped were still preserved. Very little. One man spoke tenderly of his wedding ring. He placed it on his dresser in the upstairs bedroom. The house now gone, its contents had charred or melted into a single layer of debris at the basement level. Searchers looked for the ring in that same corner where the bedroom had been without success. It talks about the book of Isaiah. The lady from Ms. Peterson finished. At that Marshall Fire site, one woman searched the ashes on the opposite side. There and it's still in its cage, she unearthed the husband's wedding ring. In your despair, God reaches into your ashes and pulls out the one truly precious thing. Now, my guess is that was Colorado Baptist disaster relief team, because that's what we do. We talked about it last week, and God had a plan. They were there. They didn't mention who it was, but I'm pretty well guaranteed it was us. Our partner. had to share that with you. That's what God does when you have your little devotional books. People share those with me all the time. So as we think about uh, Thanksgiving celebration coming up, uh, I want to try to bring you a little bit of Thanksgiving humor each Sunday. So here's three little humorous things that, well, maybe you'll laugh at. I think you probably will. Here we go. An optimist is a person who starts a new diet on Thanksgiving Day. We all understand that. Oh, I'm not going to eat too much today, huh? Okay, well, now, on to pie. I suppose I will die never knowing what pumpkin pie tastes like when you have room for it. <laughs> or cherry pie or apple pie, whatever you serve for dessert. You never have room for it, but okay, give me a piece, right? All right, another one. What did the pumpkin say after Thanksgiving? Good pie, everyone. <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep doing that, try to find some humorous things to keep us going. But uh, uh, I think there's a common struggle that we all have, and it's called this, the lost art of gratitude. The lost art of gratitude. I'm sure if you went to a restaurant server today, they would say, yeah, uh-huh, gratitude is a lost art. I think if you went to them, and they might also say this, Tipping is a lost art. You know, they, they've suffered after COVID-19. Those that work in the restaurant industry. People aren't as gracious. They're not as kind. They're more demanding. We know that from reading articles about that, especially. 
let's start with gratitude. So if something is lost, what needs to happen? Yeah, it needs to be found, right? So maybe we can help ourselves in this area during this next little series, the next two weeks. Maybe you haven't lost the art of gratitude, but maybe like you, it's been waning a little bit. And it needs to be reignited just, just a touch or a little bit more during this time. I haven't lost it, but as I was thinking about this sermon, I recognize that I haven't been as gracious, I haven't been as thankful, I haven't expressed gratitude as well as I could. And of course, obviously, the Thanksgiving season is a time to remember that thanks and giving equal thanks living. They go together. So I'm going to give you a project. I'm going to give it up front. I'm going to give it up front. I'll give it at the end. Here it is. 30 days of thanks. You can start today, too, after you've got 32 days of thanks. 30 days of thanks. Here's the project. I'm working on it with you. But I want to encourage you to this. That every morning, you'd start every morning by getting up and writing out or listing in some way something you're thankful for. And then you would finish the day by writing on something else that you're thankful for. Just two times a day, when you get up and when you go to bed, that you would say to yourself or say to the people around you or say to the Lord, Lord, I'm thankful for these things. I had one last night. I slept through the whole night. That rarely happens at 67. <laughs> the whole time. You get up one time. That just doesn't happen that often. And I got up, I recognized that. And I just, thank you, Lord. That was, a, that was a good night's rest. And I'm really, really thankful for that. Now, I can't say I feel the same way about the snow this year. <laughs> Pastors don't like it to snow on Sunday, okay? Just in case you never wonder about that, all right? But you came. Thank you. Thank you for venturing out. having surgery tomorrow. She wanted to get it done before the surgery. What a testimony. So, let's start right now. Because you didn't know about this when you got up this morning. Think of something that you're thankful for right now. Just offer up a prayer to the Lord.
here's three ways that the Lord has just been speaking to me over the past couple of weeks that we can learn to have greater faith. We can live First is this, to thank God for who he is. Thank God for who he is. Now in the Acts method of praying, many of you know the Acts method of praying, this is adoration. A. C is confession. T is thanksgiving. S is supplication. But this is adoration. As you know, I pray a lot. I prayed this morning. I'm not very good at adoration. I'm really good at praying for you and interceding for you. But I'm not as good at adoration. And that would be a great thing for me to practice and learn. If you're talking about the Lord's Prayer, adoration begins the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's adoration. Jesus started with that, and he told us, this is a model prayer. This is a way to pray start with adoration. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As I've read my Bible, and I read through it every year, I've been doing that now about 20 years or so, reading through the, the whole Bible, I've, I've noticed a phrase in the Old Testament that just keeps appearing. I, I, I didn't find out how many times it is, but I came up, I think, with eight or nine here. They're listed in your sermon outline there. And I'm just going to go through those, because this is God's Word, and it's valuable just to hear it. And they'll be up on the screen starts first in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 and 6. Moses is having conversation with the Lord. The Lord reveals himself to him. And he says this, the Lord says this to Moses. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. And if, if you look at those in, in the, the way that I don't have it written down here, but the Lord and the Lord are two different Lords. One's full caps all the way through, one's capitalized small caps. Different Hebrew words. But there's three ways there that as he speaks, as Moses continues. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression. is who the Lord is. The Lord says this about himself. He can do that and it's not bragging because that's just who he is. Gracious and merciful. And that he's abounding in love. And that he's faithful. David echoes that. It's found in Exodus 34. Three times. At least three times. But one of them is found in Psalm 86. But you, O Lord, are a God, a merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then he follows up with that. And David says, turn to me and be gracious to me. That's who you are. I'm asking you to reveal yourself that way to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of I'm in this relationship with you, and I want your help. Turn to me, Lord. Express your graciousness to me. Express your grace. He goes on in Psalm 103, 7 and 8. Many of you know this passage. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. He goes through that beautiful, beautiful passage in Psalm 103 to Psalm 103. 
says this. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. A beautiful chapter. Finishes with, search me, O God, and know my heart. Psalm 145, another great chapter. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all he has made. Now get this. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. All your works, even creation, gives praise to him for what he's done. And all your saints shall what? Shall bless you. saints shall bless you. I hope that you've done that well today already. As you were singing, as you are praising, as you are getting ready, as you were scraping snow off your car windows, whatever it is, right, that we would bless you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. So we, we find it in Moses. We find it in David. We find it in Joel, the book of Joel. It says this, return to the Lord your God, for he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Now, verse 12, I have it up on the screen. Joel exhorts the people of Israel in verse 12, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. He's saying this, People, I need you to do some heart care and not skin care. I need you to be concerned about the inside, not the outside. Yes, rending your garments was a position of repentance, was a position of sorrow. But he said, here's your heart. I need your heart. That's the most important thing. Why? Because I'm a merciful God. I'm a gracious God. I'm a faithful God. And I abound in steadfast love towards you. Let that love, let that grace, let that mercy come and be a part of who you are, your heart, who you are prophet Joel. But then we get to Nehemiah as we're finishing the Old Testament. And Nehemiah communicates the same thing in 917. In the midst of giving Israel a history lesson about their sin against the Lord, Nehemiah also centers in on the same thought when he says, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, people of Israel, years ago. But they stiffened their neck and they appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. You remember there, remember before the Red Sea rules? They're before the Red Sea, and they're going, man, we want to go back to Egypt. It's so good back there. Man, we, we have to make pyramids. We have to make bricks. We have to make pyramids. we got to go get our own straw and our hay. But you know what? It's really good back there. because you're merciful, because you're faithful, because you're abounding in love. Yes, they disappointed you. You did not forsake them. You're stuck with them in the midst of their sin and their waywardness. Now, on your sermon outline, I've listed a number of other attributes of God that you can take in adoration, 
praising him, thanking him for who he is. Uh, I list, I think I might even added some to that since uh, that was typed up and, and printed on Friday. But just think of you. He's creator, eternal, faithful, friend, as we sang earlier, glorious, good, grace, holy, immutable, that means unchangeable, infinite, just, kind, love, mercy, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, oneness, personal, relational, righteous, savior, self-existent, self-sufficient, sovereign, transcendent, truth, and wise. Other than that, we don't know who he is. He gives all of these attributes, and I'm sure there are more. But he gives all these, these are who he is. And we can thank him for who he is. This would be a great thing just to take and Looks like there could be about 18 or 19 down there for you. You could use those as an outline of thanking him. That In the morning time, you thank him that he's omnipresent. You could thank him that he is wise. You could thank him that he's sovereign. You could use that as a list to be able to help you to give praise to him. But just for the moment, let's talk about these four. Gracious, merciful, faithful. Gracious, giving us blessings, giving us thanks. Think about all the things that you have. Think about the spiritual blessings that you have. You didn't deserve any of them. You didn't earn any of those. They only came by His grace. Your salvation only came by His grace. What He has done in us, His death and His burial and His resurrection for us, only come because of His grace. Sometimes it's defined as you know, grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he extends it. And he lavishes it. Ephesians 1 says, he lavishes his grace upon us. He pours in an overflowing measure for us. And he's merciful. Mercy meaning he doesn't give us what we deserve. Grace is getting what we don't, getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. For the wages of sin is right. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 623. His mercy, he doesn't give us what we deserve when we come to him, but he gives us his life, his grace, eternal life, he gives that to us. Great picture of mercy and of his grace. He's slow to anger when we sin against him. Patient with us. I know we often said, hit me over the head with a two by four. He could hit us over the head with a two by four. In some way, but he usually doesn't. He usually doesn't. But he's patient with us, even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our wandering, in the midst of moving away from him. He's patient with us because he's slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love, he wraps us up many times in his infinite love. He lavishes his love. He lavishes his grace upon us, but he also lavishes his love toward us. Again, in overabundance, in an overwhelming way, he gives his love toward us. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this while we were still sinners. What happened? Christ died for us. Great picture, again, of his grace and his mercy, slow to anger and his steadfast love. So this is kind of my main point. Daily thanks will lead to joyful thanksgiving. The more we
more we do thankfulness and gratitude in our lives, it's going to bring joy to us, and our lives will be full of thanks. And we'll have thanksgiving on the inside. Secondly, honing in just a little bit. Thank the Lord for His faithfulness. Thank the Lord for His faithfulness. Thank Him for who He is, broad. Now let's center in a little bit. Let's narrow it down. Thank the Lord for His faithfulness. So I've picked out a number of verses that talk about His faithfulness. You can pick out a lot more than those. Deuteronomy 32.4. Again, here's Moses speaking. The rock. Love that. The rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He. That's who He is. Faithful, but He's without sin. A God of justice and a God of righteousness. Psalm 145.13. Again, as David writes, The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. Lamentations chapter 3, where we get, Great is thy faithfulness, the great hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Jeremiah writes, as he's in Babylon, he's lamenting about being there, the difficulty, seeing Jerusalem destroyed, and then being punished, disciplined for their sin in the captivity, the seven years in the Babylonian captivity. And he says this, he says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings. We all got them, right? The wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers how difficult this was and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have... I'm just reading this. Oh, it's not on here. I'm sorry. I didn't get that on here. Hope. Okay, sorry about that. No wonder you didn't know what that word was. Therefore I have hope. Not the wishy kind of hope, but his hope confident assurance that God is going to fulfill His promises. That's my definition. The confident assurance that God is going to fulfill His promises. I have hope. And here's His promise. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Every morning, every morning they are new. Great is your Faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. I love how it's bookends it there. Therefore, I have hope. And he finishes that little, in the midst of this lament, in the midst of this difficult time, he says, I have hope. It's been difficult. It's been hard. But I have hope. Because I know who God is. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's a faithful God. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13 doesn't talk use the word faithful, but it talks about His faithfulness. Keep your life free from the love of money. And be content with what you have. For He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And then skipping over a couple of verses, you know it well. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's faithfulness. Doesn't use that word, but that's faithfulness. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I came across this definition in my study this week and thought it was really good. It's up there. 
to read it with me. Be a good point. The faithfulness of God means he is unchanging in his nature, true to his word, has promised salvation to his people, and will keep his promises forever. He is worthy of eternal trust, no matter how unlikely his promises seem. Now that that's good. That's who he is. That's his faithfulness to us. So think about his faithfulness. How does that impact him? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. You got temptation? Uh-huh. Well, so does the person next to you. The same one. The same ones that you have. They're common to us. We know that. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able to bear or your ability. ESV. But with the temptation, we'll provide a way of escape so that you may be able to bear up underneath it and you'll be able to endure it. God is faithful. And because of his faithfulness, there's no temptation that comes to us that we couldn't say no to. Well, but unfortunately, we don't always say no to it, do we? We're human. God knows that. So he says in 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. God is faithful in our temptation, but he's also faithful that when we go to him and we confess our sin, he forgives us. That's who he is. First Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, But God is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Not just help you through the temptation, but he is standing up for you against Satan, against the, his adversary, against the father of lies. He's right there. He's guarding you, and he's standing up for you, and he'll protect you from the evil one if we so let him do that. And lastly, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For the Lord is one who has promised
James chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers or sisters. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shifting shadow. Very, there's no change or shifting shadow to memorize another version. With him there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift comes from him. Matthew chapter 7, you know, it's the great ask verse. Ask, seek, knock. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it'll be opened to you. The door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if your son asks for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? The answer is no, you wouldn't do that. If then you who are evil, sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? We do the right thing for our kids. We work hard at that, and our grandkids, right? But how much more the heavenly Father, the, the good, good Father... Of all those attributes, how much more will he give you good gifts? He will. He will. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, kind of a little long passage, a little prophetic expression here from 1 Timothy, Paul to Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. You want to know why you should pray for your food before you eat? It's right there. It's right there. Receive it with thanksgiving. You know what? I am terrible at that. I am terrible thanking the Lord for my meal when I eat by myself. I don't know about you, but I rarely do it. I think I need to work on that. I need to take a moment before I read my golf magazine and tell the chief that. And I need to thank him for what he's provided for me. That's something I've recognized, that I have not been thankful. And this verse tells me, I should receive it with thanksgiving. I hope it was you know, my little prayer time. I thank the Lord for his death, burial, and resurrection of coming again. And I thank the Lord for his salvation, which is rich and free. His word, which guides me, the Holy Spirit who indwells me. the gifts that he's given to me, for my family, for my job, for my possessions, which are all around me, and I have so many. You too. You know those things. Take them. Take them. Take them. Again, for the baptisms today, Kathy, cheering like crazy. It is so good. They usually can't hear it because, you know, they're, they're kind of, yeah, everything's going through their mind, but you, you make a difference when you do that. That's thanks. You're giving thanks for that. Bless you. Bless you. 
project for you in December, too. Okay, I already got that one down. But I want to I help us, exhort us, encourage us, just, to, just during this Thanksgiving season, to finally to grow in that act, the art of gratitude, and of thanksgiving, because thanks plus giving equals thanks given. So, what's our project? 30 days, 32 days, in the morning, giving thanks for something. The evening, nighttime, giving thanks. Then I would say this, if you write them down, that'll be more meaningful. Hey, just to take the time, you have a sermon out right there, you can just put it all down there, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever works for you. And then you do journal, that's your mole scheme. But join me. Join me in this time of thanksgiving. And that we would be more thankful for who he is, for his faithfulness, and for the good gifts that he's given us. Today's the 29th, right? You can trust God with daily bread. David wrote Psalm 9, he probably already experienced much of God's love and faithfulness. <laughs> Here's what it says at the end. Recall a tough situation when God showed you his love and faithfulness. What else, do you, what else did you learn about his character? How can you encourage you today? Father, you're always faithful. Help me trust you at difficult times around the world. He can't make it up. God, today, I'm talking about your faithfulness, and you add another one that was written a year ago. And then, 